We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to this week's edition of Real Tree Rebels. I'm Chase Parm here with you every single week. Podcast on MPW Digital. All podcasts on MPW Digital presented by Twisted T. Tyler Jordan joining us today. We're going to talk some hunting. Hung out with Chister Chipper Jones. Got some uh, got got some success over the week. The opening weekend of hunting season. Ole Miss knocking off Georgia Tech. Successful weekend for the Rebels as well. Heading into uh, Tuscaloosa and Alabama this week. Obviously the uh, the theme of the week, the theme of the day here with us as Ole Miss three and O headed to uh, their SEC opener this week. Tower, it's been a pretty good week for you. You had uh, you had some success on the hunting trail. You got an Ole Miss win. You finally got to a game. Uh, not the worst seven days here going on. It's been a pretty fun week. Yeah. I mean, no, no complaints. I mean, whenever you can kind of, you know, the opening weekend and then opening week, those first couple weeks of deer season tend to be my favorite. Um, you know, if, if you're able to have some deer on camera and, you know, they're somewhat a little bit easier to pattern, um, at least in just my experience, I think these next couple of weeks as the deer, you know, start to kind of expand their range for the rut, um, you know, getting ready for that, it can be just a little bit harder, um, you know, as time goes on. So I uh, was, was real thrilled about that. And then, you know, having Chipper down, you know, this week, He's, you know, joined our team in a little bit of a bigger capacity, uh, you know, this season, you know, he's doing stuff for Realtree Outdoors, Realtree Road Trips, um, was able to tag a really nice buck. I was a little bit concerned just kind of where he was hunting that we were not going to be able to hunt that spot opening weekend just because the wind was not right. And then we wake up that morning, wind was right. So dad and him went in there, uh, set up a ground blind and, you know, things kind of worked out that afternoon. But, you know, between that, going to the Grove and, and Ole Miss winning and, you know, looking forward to this weekend, uh, it's been an awesome week. I was expecting, Tower, this is going to come out on Tuesday morning, so I don't know the results of tonight. I was expecting some Falcon stuff all over the screen. What's going on? I mean, you, you've got an opportunity right here. They're 2-0 and for the first time in five or six years. Saints play tonight. We can't get to 2-0 and yet. You, were, you, you had a chance to kind of get me a little bit. And there's just nothing. Nothing at all going on. Yeah, you know, I have a Falcons helmet in here. Uh, so I have not, I love the Falcons. Uh, I did watch a little bit this weekend just because I had one of my buddies that, um, is on Kevin Harvick's race team. He's, he's been a friend of mine for a long time. He's a big Packers fan. So I was watching really, you know, more for that, but yeah, pretty good weekend. Um, you know, not going to lie, you know, Desmond Ritter, I think is, Mm -hmm. he's not hurting the team in any way. You know, that's I think that's the biggest thing is like he's doing his part. And, you know, right now as a quarterback for the Falcons, he's six and two, um, you know, but you and I have talked about it a little bit. They're kind of in that weird 
phase of like they may be good enough to get to the playoffs, but maybe not much more beyond that. But um, you know, two and zero for for now, I guess we'll take it. And you know, they got some exciting playmakers on the team. It's kind of you know, it's been a few years since you know we've been kind of excited to watch them, but um, you know, they're they're playing decent football at least two weeks in. See, I think you're in the best part of fandom from an NFL standpoint. Because, I mean, yeah, it's very similar as far as the Saints and the Falcons. I don't think either one are going to win the Super Bowl this year. But the Saints have tons of money over cap. They have no room to really maneuver much. You've got a pretty veteran team where you're waiting on a window to close in a way. This is the great part for the Falcons because Ritter's a young kid. Bijan Robinson, obviously a rookie, has looked great through two weeks. It's that where you get all this moral victory stuff and the victory. I mean, you're watching the infancy to a build here. I actually think you're maybe – because the stress isn't there of an actual contender where you're kind of bothered by a loss and you're a little freaked out. I think the building with a young team when you see promise might be the best part of fandom outside of like the day you win playoff games, something like that. That, That's a great point. I mean, I think going into this season, not having a ton of expectation is definitely the way to live. You can definitely watch the game a lot more with ease because I mean, I obviously want them to win and pull for them to do well, but it's like, you know, it's not 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 a big big deal. When it's not going to ruin my Sunday like maybe it did back in 2016, 2017. Uh, you know, 2016 was that you know pretty tough to get over. I have I have been to one Falcons game since the Super Bowl. That was like worse than any heartbreak I have, have been through. But uh, you know, that's uh, that's just part of the fandom. But yeah, you know, I, they got some good players, and hopefully they can build on you know kind of the kind of the foundation they they've set here. Yeah, I'm only going to ask you this once throughout our entire podcast, but I am kind of curious. Give me your give me your night, your emotions of that 28 to three. I mean, just take me through that. I mean, every Ole Miss fan understands what that feels like. So, I mean, were we were we already ready to pop the champagne? Did you have nervousness at that point? What was what was that hour like for you? Yeah, I think you know at halftime, like it was, you know, my family was there and like. My mom, my brother, my dad, I uh, had a couple of my buddies with me. And at halftime, mom and mom went because we looked like we were going to win huge at halftime. So she went and bought all kind of merchandise, all, you know, Falcons World uh, Super Bowl gear and apparel. And so we're thinking we're going to have a great night. And honestly, by that point, I kind of got a little bit probably like the Falcons, a little bit like complacent, like, man, we just need to get this thing over with. Right. I mean, we're obviously going to walk out of here with a large victory. Um I can tell you that that was that was probably worse than even, you know, maybe fourth and twenty five, Ole Miss, Arkansas. It, it felt very similar to that. I mean, I just remember leaving there and then waking up, you know, for the next several days. Like there is no way that just happened. Like it just felt like such disbelief. Like I felt like it was a nightmare, um, you know, waking up from waking up from that. And I compare it to, man, I've never been in any kind of like breakup with a relationship, like mm-hmm. and, and felt that much. Like it, it felt very similar, but it may be maybe worse for like the next two or three weeks. I was like, man, I just can't even believe that happened because you know that people still are going to talk about just like they are today. You know, where it's twenty twenty three now, people are still talking about twenty eight to three and that day and that game. So, I mean, just that's, that's definitely uh, tested my fandom to, to no end, but that is, uh, that is part, part of it now. Yeah. I, I, when the saints have had their playoff screw ups or the Rams pass interference thing, I have to avoid all media for like a week. I can't read anything the next day. You just avoid everything and go, Nope, I'm, I'm out. We're not going to, 
it has to completely sort of cycle through. And then once the season's over, all the way around, the Super Bowl ends like, okay, we're back on a level playing field. I at least start consuming media again. It's a it, it's a certain feeling that definitely is uh, is, is right there. So well, I won't make I, I didn't, two of it. But. I didn't watch first take. I used to always really like first take back then. I didn't watch first take for two months. I didn't. I didn't wake up and watch like any sports. I did listen to any podcast like distance. I had to really like. I told my family I was like, I have to distance myself from the Falcons for a little bit. Like I have to get over that. And so I think I went to one game in 2017, and then since then I have not really been back to a to a whole lot. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, and then when you know a couple of players on the team too, I feel like it make, makes it that much worse. Like we're hunting buddies with uh, Matt Bryant, who was the kicker. Josh Harris, who was the long snapper, um, you know, he was not on the team, but Chris Redman, who was the backup quarterback, he was a quarterback at Louisville, good friend of ours. Matt Ryan actually killed, this was back in 2000, maybe nine or 10. Matt Ryan killed his first deer um, on the property right next to us. And then so he came, he came over um, the night after he shot his deer and like got to meet dad and I. And like ever since meeting him, I became a huge fan of his just because of the kind of person that he was. And so um, I was always a Falcons fan, but I think even that made me even bigger of a fan just getting a chance to meet him and kind of seeing the way that he carries himself and, you know, being a leader on that team. So, um, yeah, you hurt for those guys. You mentioned you had success this week from a hunting standpoint, chipper as well, and and you had been you've been eyeing uh, certain deer for a few weeks now for for however long it's been. You sent me some pictures, I guess, last week uh, when I was leaving New Orleans on Sunday. What I guess when does that process start? Take me through that a little bit. Is in I mean, are, are we following year round? I'm using air quotes for anybody not watching the video and using the audio. You know what, what? What sort of preparations are in the off season to prepare for the beginning? Sort of outline that process for me. Yeah, you know, so there there are deer on the property that we know, you know, and like I would say probably eighty percent of the time, like if we're hunting a particular buck, it's typically a deer that we have had history with. You know, whether it's when since they were two or three years old, you know, we try to age deer about five and a half and older. Um, you know, five and a half is when we, you know, if, if they're, uh, you know, kind of determined if we're going to shoot them or not at that age. Um, so, you know, we started this summer putting out cameras. And so that process really starts at really the middle of July. And then it goes in until the opening day, which I think was September 9th is when it opened this year. Um, you know, so we're putting out cameras, you know, in some cases putting out stands, you know, getting ready for these, uh, getting ready for opening day. Uh, I knew for quite a while that we had chipper um, coming in also, but, you know, like I said, you know, the, these deer, we've, we've like the big heavy one, that's the name we referred to, to that one. That's actually a deer we had no history with. And that's kind of crazy for us. He was a new buck that moved into the property. You know, we occasionally have maybe two or three of those a year, maybe not as many as you would think that kind of come in. Um, and so did not know that deer, but now the deer that chipper shot, uh, that's a deer that we call triple threat. Last year, he was just a, the last two years, he's just been a typical wide nine pointer, really pretty. Um, you know, for whatever reason though, I'm not sure why some, some, sometimes deer just put on crazy characteristics and that, and this deer did. Um, so it was kind of cool, you know, just seeing, you know, the kind of character he put on this year, he, we knew he was going to be on the, the hit list per se. Um, you know, we just didn't know he was going to turn into what he did, which was a really unique looking buck. So, um, 
you know, I'd say, you know, some of this, it, it, it goes into years, you know, watching some of these deer and, you know, a lot of times too, it's like, and, and they don't stay, you know, kind of like this deer that moved in. I mean, who knows where he came from? You know, there's been several deer that we watch when they're three and a half, four and a half years old. And, you know, you think when they're going to come back at five and a half, um, uh, you know, they're going to be great, but we end up losing them for whatever reason, whether they get hit by a car, another hunter, um, you know, multiple reasons why deer just disappear. But, you know, so in most cases, it's probably a two or three year process, um, you know, watching some of them. So do you have them identified just simply by the patterns that you're used to with them with and all appearances? I mean, in, in what way are you able to pick them back up year to year? Yeah, I mean, just kind of patterns, kind of like that. I think, you know, that's the great thing about summer. It's really more, you know, gathering inventory. You know, you can, uh, it's legal to bait in Georgia, um, you know, and I think, you know, we, we don't necessarily always hunt over bait when it's hunting season, even though it's legal, but those cameras are just really good from an inventory perspective. And so, you know, when those deer in their bachelor groups, um, you know, they're not, you know, kind of when they shed their velvet, Typically, you don't really, that's usually toward the end of August. You really don't know what those deer are going to do. They may stay on their same summer pattern, summer range, or they may expand and just go totally rogue and and do something different. So, you know, we have several different spots in the property where where we'll put out cameras, put out, you know, um, we have sometimes troughs or just feed. And, you know, we'll kind of take an inventory of, you know, where those bucks are. Um, you know, and then, you know, based off history of what they've done in the past, um, you know, we kind of know a general, you know, location of where we're going to pick these deer up the following year. So did you have that place picked out for Chipper to go on property? How did you, had you sort of pick out, since that was, you know, you, you've had something you were eyeing there, obviously with triple threat. How'd you, uh, how'd you pick the locations for both of you guys? Yeah. So that's it. That, that spot right there, that when he was a wide nine, he's been very consistent there. Um, you know, so that deer has been there for the last two years. So I felt pretty confident that he was going to be back, but you know, I had a deer there that I was hunting in the same general location last year. He was also a wide nine. I think this deer may have been six and a half or seven, but he was hit by a car. And luckily somebody that was just watching the videos recognized the deer and actually when he got him, I think he took him to his house. He gave me the rack. So you don't really ever know. Oh, I thought the deer had made it, um, you know, from last year, but sometimes you just don't ever really know. Like, you know, we're not too far from where, you know, these deer could leave and get shot by another hunter or, uh, you know, get, you know, get hit. Cause during the rut, I mean, these deer will just do crazy things, but yeah, I mean, we kind of knew that deer, you know, had been in there. He was there all summer. Um, you know, finally had a good wind for that day. Chipper hunted somewhere different the day previous for a different buck, um, on another one of our places. But, you know, when we woke up and saw what the wind was doing, it was going to, we, we needed needed a north wind hunt there. And so when I saw that the weather was going to be north five to six miles an hour, it's like, this is going to be the only day we can do this because it's going to go back to east starting the next day. So I knew it was kind of a now or never thing. And so dad and Chipper went in there that day, set up a ground blind and as luck would have it, you know, the deer had not a clue in the world. Um, you know, they, they really brushed that blind in well and, and had a, had a good hunt. So are these, uh, are, are these videoed where we will be able to catch them on the internet? What is the, what's the situation with that? They're on the internet now. So Already? it's, uh, okay. it's on real, it's on real tree road trips. So big, heavy mine and then chippers, um, 
I think it went up the very next day also. So we try to get a lot of these out the very next day. That's kind of the beauty of some of the digital programming that we're doing. I'm sure we'll put them on Realtree Outdoors too, which will air on the Outdoor Channel. Um, Yeah, but those two hunts are already up on YouTube. And then we have a couple of more shows from Georgia, not any big bucks getting shot, or um, but we do have a couple more Georgia episodes that have aired since then. What's the setup from a video audio? Is it just like over like, wait, what, what, what is sort of, what, what does that feel like? And how does that I mean? Obviously you're completely used to it, but I mean, you know, how, filming so many things when you're hunting and whatnot. I mean, what's, what's sort of that process and how intrusive is it? Yeah. I mean, I guess, again, I'm so used to it. I mean, I've kind of been going with my dad and having a camera there since I was three or four years old, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's kind of no telling like I, I've, it's not until I sit down and think about it, you know, the camera has probably cost, it's probably cost me a couple of really good deer. And I'm sure it's cost my dad probably 20, 30, who really knows? I mean, there's so many times when you draw back a bow, you know, that what you try to do is get the camera guy right off or either your left or right shoulder. You try to get that platform right behind the tree and uh, you know, to where they're, they're where they're kind of in line with you, but there's still so many times where you draw back and you'll get called off. No, 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 no. Don't have him. Don't have him. So you don't end up taking the shot and where you may have the shot or, you know, vice versa. When they have the shot, you don't have the shot. And you know, that happens a lot, but you know, to me, I guess I kind of, you know, I I guess I put it in a little bit of perspective. Like we're kind of lucky and blessed to be able to do this, that I know how much I enjoy personally watching content like I love, like I'm, I watch all kind of YouTube hunting content. I'm a fan just like anybody else is. Like I watch the hunting public, Lee and Tiffany Lukoski, Bill Winky, um, that, you know, I kind of, I, I know that people probably like watching our stuff too. So I kind of just, you know, take the good with the bad, you know, whenever that kind of stuff happens, it just kind of is what it is. But, you know, there, there's definitely been opportunities, whether it's turkey, elk, whitetail, where you're not always in sync or in line, um, but that's just kind of part of the game we play, I guess. And content comes first. If there, if it's not there, then you're not, you're not firing. I mean, it's, it's, it's gotta, it's yeah. Gotta if he tells, if he tells me, no, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I mean, there may be an exception, like if it's just an absolute <laughs> giant, you know, um, then you may have to just be like, look, man, we'll, we'll have to shoot around it. Right. But yeah. I mean, we, you know, we, we try to put, you know, the content stuff first, just so that, you know, the person watching that, especially if you have people that have been following a story on a particular buck and they've been waiting for that final moment that where you get an opportunity, you know, we try to be fair to the viewer. And because I I know how frustrated sometimes I get, I'm like, dang, I wish I could have seen the shot. You know, I've been following this story for two weeks with Bill Winky or whoever. And, you know, but typically those guys always, you know, it's, it's content first. So, um, you know, you try to, you try to give the viewer the, the payoff that, you know, they've been wanting. Obviously chipper, one of the best hitters in major league baseball history, the hand eye coordination is not a problem. Does that translate over to shooting? He's a great shot. He's a really good shot. I mean, that probably doesn't surprise a lot of people, but, you know, he switched over to a Hoyt ever since joining Realtree this year. I think he's been shooting a couple of different brands in years past, but he switched over to a Hoyt, you know, this year. You know, sometimes that can be a little bit tricky with equipment changes and, you know, you get so comfortable to shooting one thing. I know how it is when somebody's like, look, I need for you to go and try something different. You know, you just that comfort level. But, um, you know, for somebody like him, though, that's really not a whole 
not a huge problem as y'all can see on the video made a great shot on the deer um you know in nebraska the last couple of years with him has made really good shots so um you know chippers chippers pretty good with a bow and you know he's been doing the bow stuff a long time you know chipper's been hunting with my dad since the early 90s since his rookie season mm-hmm. so you know chipper chipper um has a lot of experience in the deer woods what was your first bow my first buck was um i was on christmas day nine years old and it was in alabama dad had a um, couple thousand acre lease in alabama um he had some I'm trying to think if he had cameras out, how we knew this deer was in there, but somehow dad had been watching it and this deer had been in there. And I was not wanting to hunt that day. Uh, I, I, you know, nine years old, I had a couple of my cousins that were in town that day. And so I was really kind of upset that I was not going to spend the day with them. So what dad did, he actually let my cousin come with us. Um, so my cousin, we didn't have enough room in the blind. So my cousin had a chair. He sat right outside of the blind uh, with us, but I just wanted to spend that day with him. Cause I don't, I didn't get to see him a whole lot when I was younger. Um, so that was, that was my first deer in Alabama, I think 160 yards. And I still have the deer mount. I think the deer mounts at the office, but, uh, you know, I think for me back then, I, like I did not care about the size at all of the deer. Like it was not a real big deer seven pointer. I thought though, I, I'd kill the biggest thing known to man, you know, and I think kind of watching, even at nine, I knew my dad went to different places, Kansas, Montana, um, you know, all over the country hunting. I just felt like I was finally a part of that club, right? I just, you know, I was one of the cool kids, um, you know, I was just like my dad. So, uh, you know, getting to kind of share that with him and my cousin being there with us was pretty special. And, and to do it on Christmas was, you know, icing on the cake. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made of real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite teams, whether you're tailgating at the stadium, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home. Twisted Tea is there to elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Did you shoot a bow since you could walk? I mean, do you even remember when you sort of started the bow the, the, with, with bows? Yep, I, sh- I actually did not actually shoot my first deer with a bow until I was fourteen. So, I, and I, I'd had a couple of bows. Like I think I had a bear bow when I was maybe eight or nine. But I never shot. I mean, I just never pulled enough weight, you know, like the kids now, like I feel like my little brother and sister could probably pull poundage back, you know, when they were probably nine, 10 years old and actually kill a deer. But back then I just wasn't pulling enough poundage and, you know, bow, bow technology and equipment's come such a long way that I probably would have gotten, gotten into it at, you know, at a, at a younger age. But, um, you know, I didn't actually shoot my first deer, which was a doe until I was 14 years old. And, um, so that's, you know, that's kind of where my bow journey started. What bow were you using now? I was, my first deer I shot with a bow was a Matthew switchback. Sure. And then the bow I'm shooting now is a, uh, a Venom 31 inch Hoyt. And so I've kind of been a Hoyt guy since maybe I was 19, 20 years old. And so I've really shot nothing but Hoyt, you know, and I, and like nothing against any other bow company because we licensed to a few of them i just have always been comfortable with hoyt like i've tried i won't name any brands i have tried several other ones just to kind of just to see how they shoot or whatever but i don't know it is true when you're so used to shooting one you you don't realize that even though they're all very good and similar there's just certain things about the feel of them that you just like and that consistency that hoyt's had for so long i just i um have just always liked the way they're you know the bow feels in the hand if there's somebody trying to get into bows and bow hunting for the first time, is that the, is that the biggest key is to try find some way to try different things? I mean, what suits your eye? I mean, what, what sort of things would you be looking for if you were just getting into it? Yeah. I mean, I would try, I would try multiple bows if you can, like, and I, and I forgot the name of the store there. There's one in Oxford, but I think they have Matthews Hoyt elite. Um, and I forgot the name of the guy, really nice guy, but I mean, just go shoot a few and just see what feels best, you know, especially if you're not holding to one brand. I mean, you know, I have plenty of people that, you know, for whatever reason, they like a particular bow that may not even be the most popular bow. I'd say, you know, the two of the biggest in the industry are probably Hoyt and Matthews. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, this guy may like an elite or a Bowtech and it's just the way that it feels. And so I I would say, you know, get comfortable with that first. Um, You know, that's kind of big, the biggest thing and go to your local Bowtech and, you know, ask their opinion too. You're headed uh, out to uh, where well, your dad's going to hunt in Wyoming. You're headed out there in the New Mexico here uh, next week. Got some elk on deck. What's uh, what, what 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 is the packing situation? What kind of patterns? What are we doing? What do we take out there? What's uh what's that going to be like next week? So we are we licensed to a new clothing company this year named Taka, and so they sent in a bunch of their new gear. Um, they have all kind of the you know the light midweight to heavy weight systems of clothes, which it sounds like we may need a little bit of everything because mm-hmm. I was talking to the guy. I don't know how it is in Wyoming. I'm assuming it's going to be kind of the same way, but like the low two mornings ago was 27 degrees. 
And so I think when you've been so used to, you know, here waking up and it's 80 and it gets up to, you know, the mid nineties, that's going to be just a, a shock to the system whenever you, whenever you get in that kind of weather, but then like the weather gets up to the high seventies, sometimes low eighties. So I'm sure we'll be shedding layers pretty quick. And I think, uh, you know, my, my dad has uh, his right knee has been kind of bothering him just a little bit. So we probably won't do a ton of hiking in Wyoming. Um, you know, it'll be kind of limited just to, so my dad can kind of stay on his feet and, you know, not wear himself out. You know, I think we have a five day hunt out there and then we're going to New Mexico for five days. But um, yeah, you know, the, the terrain, I think in New Mexico, they said is going to be a little bit rough out there. So I, I'm, I'm bringing, you know, I'm going to bring a couple of jackets for early morning, but, you know, we'll have some lightweight stuff too, because I'm sure we'll be getting in it pretty quick. Have you ever hunted in New Mexico before? I have. It's been, uh, it's been a while though. Um, I drew a tag and I honestly can't remember where I went. I was 14 or 15 years old then too, but um, I went to an outfitter somewhere dad knew and I, I shot a, I shot an elk with a rifle um, and I forgot the name of the place, um, but but it's uh, should should be a good hunt. So they going with Riley Green, country music singer. He's going to go out there with me. Uh, they said the terrain is going. to – I've been trying to you know do a little bit of running, kind of prepare for it a little bit because they said it's going to be really steep, you know. And I'm going to try to, although I can gun hunt, I'm going to try to shoot a bow. So, but if something happens on the last couple of days where we need to switch to a rifle, I'll do that. But I'm going to try to bow hunt for the first few days at least and see if we can't do that. And I'm, and I'm not a, like where I have experience calling turkeys or, um, you know, even doing the whitetail stuff. I have very little experience on calling elk. Everybody says it's kind of the same way as turkey hunting. Um, so I have like some mouth calls um, that I've been working on as a, you know, cow calling, I have a bugle tube. I don't think I sound really good. I'm sure they're going to agree when, whenever I get out there that I don't sound good. Um, that's just a different world to me. I'm just not really used to it. I don't, I don't do it enough. I mean, the last time I've been elk hunting, it's probably been six, seven years. Um, so I just, you know, just don't have a, a ton of experience, but, you know, hopefully we'll be, sur- be surrounded by some people that, that know what they're doing. You bring one backup, like one backup bow, one backup rifle. I mean, like it's it's business as much as personal. I mean, what what is the what is the inventory of just things like that look like when that you're packing and taking out there? Yeah, so I do have. I'm not going to bring a backup bow this trip just because I will have the rifle there. Um, but typically, whenever I'm going on a whitetail hunt, I mean, I or you know even elk hunt, I will bring a backup bow. I have another my other backup bows right here. Um, but yeah, I try to take it, especially if I'm going to be gone, I know for a couple of weeks, which is what's going to happen here. I'll be with dad on his hunt and then mine, you know, just, I take at least a couple of releases with me, uh, take a couple of range finders. Cause that's, you definitely don't want to either lose a range finder or have a battery go bad or something. So I always try to have a spare of just, you know, everything on my bow equipment and make sure you have enough arrows too. Talk a little football. You were in town, Oxford, for uh, Ole Miss and Georgia Tech. You missed the Mercer game, so you finally got one in. You're going to be, you're going to be, going to be doing business. Going to be busy for LSU next week, but big crowd on Saturday. The shootings were there. It's pretty packed all the way around. And then Ole Miss uh, again, obviously scoring 38 points in the second half to uh, to pull away. Just kind of tell me about your weekend a little bit. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, I think I may have told you last week. I still have to figure out. It's getting better and better. Um, 
I have some friends that we've tailgated in the Grove the last couple of years. I mean, it's, you know, I'm from, from here in Columbus, Georgia. We do have a Columbus tent out there, but, you know, my friends are like, man, we want to do something that is ours, you know? And so we have like seven of us and I think we all want to chip in and do something, but I still have to get better on my tent game and my tailgating game. I mean, I just feel like I'm not at that level yet. And, uh, you know, this, this was definitely better. I'll tell you it. So last year, one of my buddies went to Walmart and we, we thought we were going to do it ourselves. And so we all pitched in. Well, we had two tents, but one of the tents didn't have the top with it. So we were missing a whole top on one of our, yeah, it didn't have a top. It's not a tent then Tyler, not a tent. I, mean, I, 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 I know. So it, it didn't, didn't have a top. And so we were like, well, I don't really, we just had one tent there. So, um, it, you know, that, that we, we, we learned from then that we need to hire somebody. So we used, I think it was seven South tailgating mm-hmm. this weekend. They did a really good job, but uh, you know, I want something that's maybe a little bit more. I sent them an email trying to have more of a permanent tent there with some of our friends. So, um, but it was, it was fun. Had Taylor grocery catered out in the Grove. Um, I didn't even know they catered out there. So that was really good. I had some catfish and, hush puppies and fried chicken um, and then went to the game and uh, my brother, my sister, uh, mom all made it in town and, uh, you know, definitely a little bit nervous there in the fourth quarter, but, you know, glad, glad the Rebels pulled it out and, um, you know, excited about this weekend. But it seemed like they, uh, you know, definitely were trying to establish the run game, you know, more effectively this weekend. And your sister will be here full-time pretty soon, right? One more Sister will be there. Yep. So she's in her senior year. Um, she has her, she, she's committed to go play softball out there. Right. And then she has her official visit, um, Arkansas weekend. So we will be out there. Um, my whole family's going to be out there. We're, we were going to go anyway, but we'll be out there for the Arkansas weekend. Um, which I think is October 6th or 7th. So yeah, I know she's, she's real excited about being out there. Yeah, you know, it, you're probably one of those signs that you're getting a little bit older when you're worried about your tent game and like the entire uh, situation of that. You know, when you're when you're in college, just to say, get me out of there, and we'll find we'll find a beverage or two and make it whatever. I think I, I think it's a, one of those signs that we're just getting older now, Tyler. It's one of the it's, it's the next step of this process that happens. That's that, that, that's a certain milestone moment of that that you're actually worried about the entire situation as is. Yeah, I mean, I just I, and I kind of was bragging, uh, you know, to my family, which I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have talked too soon. But I was like, Mom, like, bring your friends, you know, and like, Grayson, bring your friends. We'll have food. Well, we definitely didn't have enough food. <laughs> so, and like, more of my friends showed up, which was awesome. But you know, we just we didn't quite have an, everything that we needed. But it's getting better and better. We went from having, you know, a tent to no top on it to now at least we have that. Uh, you know, but then it's like th- this time we, we forgot solo cups, forgot plates. Um, so, again, so next time we'll have to make sure we remember that and also to get some more food for everybody. But, yeah, it's definitely kind of a sign. I didn't think all my friends, that you know, would ever care about, you know, wanting to have a tent out there. But now we all kind of want to have a place to go and, and, and tailgate and, you know, spend time before the game. But it was fun. Preparation's got to happen too, because you don't want to end up at Walmart at like right before game time or day before or anything like that. You, you you've got to make sure you're not getting into these stores and locations where just everybody takes over. I mean, if somebody lives here, like Thursday around midday, they can have the town. I'm done. It's it's y'all's until you want to leave on sometime Sunday. I'm I'm, I'm barricading in at that point. So you got to 
you got to be a little better prepared than that, Tyler. We got to we, we, oh, we, yeah. we, we got to get with the cups and the plates and the napkins and whatnot. It's pretty embarrassing. It is really embarrassing because I, I and it, my friends were like, "Does somebody want to go and go get?" Because uh, when we dropped off the stuff early in the in the morning. We we're like, does somebody want to go out and, you know, get some plates and waters and all that? I was like, I'm not going out. And nobody really wanted to go out and get in all that traffic on Jackson or really anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, learning experience, at least it was against Georgia Tech, I'm sure, you know, to get us ready for SEC play. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll be better prepared for next time. So at Arkansas, we're going we're gonna to have a better setup this time around. What you think of Jackson's play so far? Man, I thought Jackson's been doing awesome. You know, I mean, just it seems like he's protecting the football well, you know, not really making any, you know, mistakes. I mean, just one more year, you know, comfortable in the system, but just super proud of him, you know, know Jackson a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I, I thought he's I thought he's been doing well and just being, you know, a true leader, even somebody that's been as under pressure he, as he has been, even against Georgia Tech. I mean, you know, he had hands in his face all night, it seemed like. Um, but he just seems so resilient and, and, and seems to be making, even with under those circumstances, just making really sound and, um, and smart decisions and taking care of the football. Kind of going full circle a little bit because we talked about what's going on with the Falcons and where they are in their process. Not where the Braves are in their process as the uh, postseason gets there. Clearly a, uh, a a huge favorite to at least make the World Series. I would assume that your nervous level, even though a championship was won a couple years ago, is is a little higher as we're getting close to October and postseason baseball. Yeah. Yeah, the Braves, I mean, it's just baseball, right? I mean, you've been covering baseball for a long time. I mean, it's just – it's like, you know, I listened to Neil a couple of nights ago watching the Cubs, but – I mean, the Cubs are about in the same spot the Braves were back in 21. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about just, I mean, if you get hot at the right time, it doesn't really matter. The best record in baseball really means nothing. You know, in the last, I'm sure you may have seen some of the scores from the last few days. It's not very good right now. And the starting pitching is not really, uh, you know, it's been kind of struggling. And then we can't really seem to get to the ninth inning. It seems like that sixth, seventh, and eighth inning has been kind of a kind of a struggle. So, you know, all you can do is just kind of hope that they figure it out. It seems like Soroka is done. Uh, you know, I think Mr. Chavez, you know, in that rotation, you know, to kind of eat innings has really hurt them too down the stretch. And, you know, for Charlie Morton, I mean, you know, somebody at his age, you know, to have 14 wins and what he's done this year, is remarkable, um, you know, but last night, um, what, you know, was not his best outing. So you just kind of hope that they can, you just got to have so much go right when the playoffs start. I mean, there, things just got to click and, you know, something else too, that I didn't think we'd see is, uh, you know, Darno and, and Murphy kind of struggling here down the stretch. I mean, I think since the all-star break, I don't know about Darno, but I think Murphy's batting like 160. Mm-hmm. So it's like, dang it, man. We, we, you know, we hopefully they can hit a little bit of a hot stretch, um, you know, going into the going to the playoffs. But I'm I'm happy to see Austin's playing pretty good. Um, Matt Olson's playing great. Acuna's, you know, doing his thing. Uh, hopefully he can get you know healthy, um, you know, by the time this podcast airs. But yeah, I mean, it's just baseball's just. I mean, it's just like old Miss too. I mean, everything's just kind of got to get hot and right at the you know right time and. You hope that um, that happens when it all starts. Does your schedule allow for you to make postseason baseball games, or do you already know you're going to be kind of out in commission for those two or three weeks? I think I'm going to be out. Um, if they make the NLCS, I will probably try to make at least one of those. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it just depends on what happens in Kansas. I know we're going to try to go there second or third week of October. Um, but if I go to the World Series, I will I will definitely be at the World Series. I will try to make at least, if not every game, at least one or two. So, um, you know, that's been a highlight of my fandom of, of really, you know, that came before – Ole Miss in, in baseball, but that was just like one of the best moments ever, you know, just to see one of your teams kind of make it and, you know, just kind of a dream come true, really, just a su- really surreal time. So I, I will definitely try to relive that if, if we're given the opportunity. What are you looking for on Saturday? Oh, man. Um, well, we may or may not. We may go to the game. We have to leave uh, – either Sunday or Monday going elk hunting. So I'm not sure if we're going to make the game really hoping the reps can pull it off. I mean, I did, I did watch the whole game, um, Alabama and, uh, USF. So, I mean, I, I guess it gave me a little bit of hope. I do feel like the offensive line hopefully will hold up a little bit better, you know, this weekend and they can figure some things out there. Um, and then, you know, on, on the defensive side, too, I know, you know, everybody's learning a new system. Coach Golding has done an awesome job uh, so far this season. But, you know, just there were some, I guess, some blown coverages, you know, for the Georgia Tech game. So hoping none of that happens this weekend. And, you know, if they can do that, I think it's going to be a really, really good ball game. You think it's going to be Milrow this weekend? I think so. Yeah, it sounds like it's Milrow. Um, I mean, obviously, the way Buckner and Simpson looked last week, there's we haven't heard a final thing, at least as of 11-18 on Monday when we're filming this, um, about whether Milrow was potentially suspended over the weekend. They think that there was a possibility he wasn't available at all. But, you know, I, I told maybe Jeffrey this during the, the postgame the other night, is that I feel like from a fan base standpoint, a team should play whoever the fan base is the most scared of because there's some logic to that in Milrow seems to be able to do the most things that would give Ole Miss fits. From an Ole Miss fan base standpoint, if they would celebrate Simpson or Buckner being the starter versus Milrow, there's probably some there's probably some like weird emotional logic to that happening. So, yeah, I'm, if you just made me guess, I don't think Milrow handled the demotion well. I think that was part of whether it was officially a suspension or just not playing. I think that played a role in whatever happened last week against South Florida. But he just gives them that extra dynamic because if nobody's going to be able to throw, you might as well pick the person who can run a little bit. I mean, that, that, that that's common sense. That makes sense to me. So we'll see. Yeah. You know, it's going to a road game is the highest ceiling, but also the lowest floor for a fan because you've got, you know, the, 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 the fans who travel are great. It's really a great contingent. You get to kind of be in enemy territory, if you will, to use a cliche. And while a loss sucks because everybody's celebrating around you and you're outnumbered and you just got to get out of there, a win in a road place might be better than anything else. You get the win on the road and it's, you're, you're with your people and you're doing all this, you kind of whatever, especially in a place like Tuscaloosa. I, mean, I remember, you know, 2015, we took we had we had a, a partnership deal with one of those fan buses. And we thought, this is a great idea because we'll go over there and we'll new and I'll take a seat. We'll get on the bus. We'll go cover the game. And then when the game's over, we'll just get back on the bus, let somebody else drive us home, and we'll work. And about halfway through the game, I went, Neil, this is either the greatest decision in the world or the worst. Because if they lose, we're on a bus with a bunch of drunk, pissed-off Ole Miss fans for three hours while we're trying to work and come back from Tuscaloosa. I was like, this is yeah. this might have been the dumbest thing we've ever done. And sure enough, we get back on, and they win, and go, it's going to be all right. This is going to be fine. They're all having a huge time. We're the best people in the world with them. Like, it was – 
it was great. But yeah, I just I had this moment of realization and went, I'm getting nothing done for the next three hours if Alabama wins this football game. So there is definitely something special to being on the road when you when you have a chance for one of these type of opportunities that Ole Miss does have on Saturday. I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, I was there in 2014 and 15 at both those games. I don't know. I, I enjoyed both those wins a ton. I may have enjoyed that 15 one just a little bit better just because it was a little bit of a crazy game. You know, uh, the bounce from, uh, you know, when Kelly was going down, threw the ball up in the air. I and, love you. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, caught it. I mean, I'm thinking, wow, just it's kind of meant to be. And then, uh, of course, they're down six and they have the ball. And uh, But just uh, – but that, that was a pretty pretty special memory. What's, what are your thoughts on um, – uh, you, Harris, you think for sure going to play or is kind of pre-scoring? Yeah, I think pre-scoring plays. Again, this is as of Monday. We'll hear from Lane Kiffin in about 45 minutes. I don't think he's going to update an injury because he's not going to do that. But uh, yeah. just for, for FYI, from a recording standpoint, um, pre-scoring is, I think, the most likely of the ones to play. I think Franklin is probably next. He's been cutting. He dressed out on Saturday against Georgia Tech. So you might see your first action from Zachary Franklin this week. Harris was a maybe, but I don't think he even got that casting off until Saturday, maybe, if it, even if it is off. I know that was the plan at one point. It just feels like, even though that's an optimistic best-case scenario, it feels more like LSU to me with him. I mean, I could be wrong. Hopefully I'm wrong. Mm. You, 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 want, you, know, you, you want everybody to be at full strength for, uh, for, the, for the game. But I think it's probably pre-scorn Harris and then – I mean, sorry, pre-scoring Franklin and then Harris in order of what that looks like. And then Lane pointed out on Sunday night that uh, – we had not seen him a ton anyway, but Jalen Knox was also limited against Georgia Tech. He had been banged up too. So, I mean, they just, you know, from a pass catcher standpoint, it's what I've, I've really been thinking about. They're down their clear three top options as far as when you thought going into the season what that was going to look like. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun to watch anyway and see. I, you, you know, this is one Lane really wants bad. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe I, I do feel like – you thought last year then at the game was maybe their best opportunity. I feel like this maybe is maybe one of the best chances he's had and Ole Miss has had probably, you know, in his tenure. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Yeah, so Ole Miss and Alabama, 2.30 on Saturday. Tyler might be there. We'll have all the coverage of MPW Digital as the week goes on. I appreciate the time. And then everybody in the uh, in the meantime, head over to Realtree.com. you got plenty of items for uh, for clothing, for uh, extra goods, for the outdoors, and then some great recipes, too. I'm going to later today before you guys hear this, we tried the chili the other night. The uh, the venison chili was outstanding. It, uh, it is easy to do. It takes a few hours. Throw it in a pot, throw it in a Dutch oven, a crock pot, whatever you want to do. It uh, it, it has uh, ranch beans, which is a little different take on uh, on chili, something I'd never tried before, but I was a big fan of it too. So if you can hit that on social media a little bit, check out those recipes. They're easily searchable, and you can uh, knock that out there with uh, several game meats, several different protein options from uh, Realtree. So that's Realtree.com in the meantime. Tyler, safe travels coming up, and let's uh, let's talk again soon. Thank you, Chase. Have a great week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.